Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what, if anything, we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton, and today there is no Alex Lemon, but instead we have special guests. Today's guests are Greg and Jerry from Money A&E, which stands for Money Advice and Education. They've built a fantastic social enterprise on supporting people in BAME communities in London with money issues and in a range of different ways, mostly through peer-to-peer support. So Greg and Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having us. Thanks for having us. Today, we're going to talk about their personal stories, what led them to found the company and why they're so passionate about the need for great money advice and education and what makes the Money A&E outreach so special. So tell us a bit about Money A&E. So Money A&E really started when myself and Greg met at a charity called Toynbee Hall. And I think when we were there, um, we realised that we were doing quite a good job with the people that we were helping. What were you doing there? Tell our listeners. So we were basically doing debt advice. Uh So people would come to us with lots of issues around personal debt, not being able to pay the bills. And we would basically support people to find solutions out of their their debt problems. Mm -hmm. But something we realised, I think was that a lot of people who we knew on a personal level who were facing debt problems weren't actually coming in through the doors of Toynbee Hall or the CABs or the other advice agencies, and we wondered why that was. So a large part of when we started Money Any really was to try to try and connect with those people who weren't actually accessing the support that they needed. That's really interesting. I didn't know that part of your story. So it was about trying to reach the people who weren't actually coming for advice. That's right, yeah. 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 And also, in, in addition to that, I mean, Twain People had a fantastic service with Capitalise. Yeah. And we were helping people, you know, intervention. We were yeah. coming to us in, at a crisis point yeah. when they needed help. But what we found was without the education, yeah. there was a bit of a revolving door. Yeah, issue, yeah. and so some people would come back six months later, yeah. the same problem or different debt problem, or twelve months later, and 
you know, you really want to be able to help people so that they, they walk away and they're able to self-serve themselves and be more empowered to get out of their financial situations. So, I mean, that's something that you hear from debt advisors a lot is that, you know, people keep on cycling back through. Either you've got people who are, they need the help and they're not coming forward and getting it when they need it. They're leaving it too late. They're waiting until they're in crisis point. Or you get people who just don't really learn from the experience. They cycle through, they get help, the debt advisor makes the problem go away and then they're back again because they haven't really figured out how to do the preventative stuff for themselves. So this is what you guys are about. Absolutely. Let's, let's prevent this from happening in the yep. first place. prevention better than cure. So tell us a bit about what that looks like in practice. What some of the programmes that you run? So we run a number of education programmes mm-hmm. and we also do advice yeah but we couple that advice with financial capability and money guidance as well yeah so for our listeners who haven't heard those terms financial capability money Sorry. guidance give us some uh... i've gone all technical <laughs> jargony yeah Jeez, i've gone all jargony on you so money advice or debt advice is advice legal advice that you'd give to someone who's got a debt problem yeah and money guidance is really, or, or financial capability, again, great terms again. I've yeah, 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 yeah. But what they are, they're basically giving people guidance and support on how to manage their money, yeah. how to recognise debt problems, yeah. and also sort of how to get support to deal with those issues as well. Yeah. So that's kind of what the money guidance element of, of it is. It's really about how do you manage your money? How do you make your money go further? How do you achieve money goals that you set for yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of our training is all focused around that basically yeah so we try to link up the guidance sorry through the debt advice and have guidance around that but we also do education training programs as well and some of them are accredited Mm off-call recognized training programs Mm -hmm. some of them are just basic programs that we do with community groups and we do with schools and colleges and education establishments And those training programs actually train people to become leaders because we train them to to lead and support others in the community with those issues. So those recognised programs are very distinct to us Mm -hmm. and a large part of the design of our program comes from our own experiences as well yeah so you know greg can talk a bit about his kind of personal story i talked about the gaps we saw on the technical side which made us start money any but we also had our own personal stories that motivated up and lived experience like the experiences of those who have debt problems we think is a really key thing in order to kind of develop a service that really supports people. Yeah, so tell us about that because I think that's so vital in understanding you guys and what you do and why what you do works so well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where do I start? It was quite a while ago now. Um, So starting point, when I was in college, I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit and I wanted to kind of have my own business. Yeah. And I was trying to start my own business, had different ideas from mm-hmm. that point onwards. And when I left college, I ran my own market stall and I slowly progressed into having a retail shop with my yeah. sister. So uh-huh. I thought, okay, great, everything's going fine. Yeah. And for the first couple of years, it was fantastic. It was great. But the following couple of years after that is when I started experiencing uh, the difficulties of running a small business. So yeah. rents went up, footfall went down, and that equals a bit of a catastrophe. But the yeah. biggest mistake I made being kind of young and impatient then was yeah. investing my own personal money uh-huh. into the business so yeah. when it folded 
I got into a lot of debt. Right. You know, 20, 30,000 pounds worth of debt. And you'd be amazed how that can impact on your confidence, yeah. your self-esteem, your well-being. And I went through a period where I was pretty stressed out. Yeah. You know, I recognised I was getting to the point where I was feeling depressed yeah. about it. And yeah. the biggest thing about being in debt, what I've realised now looking back, is not the actual debt itself. Yeah. It's the feeling of not being in control. Mm. And I went and sought help at an advice centre in South London. Fortunately, thank God, I I came across somebody that I could say looked like me. And that was also quite an important aspect because, you know, sometimes, especially some of the the BAM communities, there's trust issues in terms of approaching organisations or, or, you know, authorities, especially if you feel they don't represent where you came from. I saw a guy at one of the law centres in South yeah. London. Yeah. And he helped me. Yeah. He gave me advice, took me through the advice model. Mm-hmm. I think it was then realising what options I had available that opened up that, that kind of bubble of hope. Yeah. And yeah. that's what changes things. If you don't think you've got any hope, yeah. then you just see kind of a black abyss. But as soon as you realise, you, okay, I have some options. It's not a magic wand. Yeah. It's not going to fix it now. Yeah. But you know, maybe in a few years I can get out of this. And that's what changed everything. So for you, it was that combination of somebody you could relate to. Yeah. And I mean, so our listeners are all over all over the world. Yeah. So what is your background? Just so that they have an idea. Of... Oh, okay. My background, I'm yeah, <laughs> uh, black Afro-Caribbean. So yeah. many terms you could use. But um, yeah, yeah. black British. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And you, you're both a similar background, aren't you? Yeah. I'm, well, my parents come from a, a country in West Africa called Sierra Leone. Oh, OK. Um, but I was brought up here in, oh, okay. in the UK, in London town, East London town. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't realise your parents were West African. I thought you were both African-Caribbean. Sorry. Oh, I apologise. Yeah. Had... <laughs> but yeah, so you were able to meet with somebody who you, who you could relate to, who you felt was listening to you. Yeah. And that was really important. And that then built for you the trust that you were able to then yeah. see the solutions. And I think on your website, it said that you decided not to go bankrupt. So you must have had quite a long journey yeah. back out of debt if you weren't yeah. taking the bankruptcy route. Absolutely. And like I said, I can't completely explain it, but I know back then, because like I said, I always had a, a dream or desire to, to work for myself. Yeah, I felt if I took the route of bankruptcy, that would prevent me from from doing that yeah and so I thought okay it's gonna bankruptcy may have been an easier route to take at the time but obviously you know now involved with money a and I don't agree it was the right decision to make because yeah. I wouldn't have been able to restart money a and mm-hmm. with um, Jerry and Farah at the time yeah and so yeah it was the right decision to make yeah but I did come close how did you keep yourself motivated through the slog of paying all that debt down Wow. It's <laughs> a good question. Grace of God, family, <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, I've always had a, a bit of a character, a bit of a bounce back character. Great. Where if I kind of get knocked down, I do tend to get back up, mm-hmm. even if I don't want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just seems to be an automatic feature. I, I'll, I'll eventually just say, right, OK, I've got to pick myself back up and move forward. Great. Yeah. So for you, a lot of it was about having the support networks around you and having the encouragement as well as who you are. But it was that a lot of it was also having those people around you who Absolutely. were able to keep you going. Yeah. 
And Jerry, you you said that you also have some personal reasons for really being passionate about this as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I've went through my own fair share of financial difficulties. Mm -hmm. I think when I was university and mm-hmm. I had credit and money thrown at me and I was like wow right. loads of money what am I going to yeah. do with this and and another time was when we were starting money Amy and I still face some of those issues today because mm-hmm. um, when you're starting your own business you're on a very low income yeah but yeah. I think the big motivator for me and the big personal experience was my kind of first encounter with my money issue and that was when I was in school right and my dad had been made redundant from his job Right. And at that time, he began to use credit cards and loans to pay household bills. Right. And his debts got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. We had threats of eviction, potentially losing our home, bailiffs in terms of sort of things like council tax and stuff like that. And there was a lot of tension in the household. My Mm. parents nearly separated at the time because there was, you know, we had to have lots of sort of family meetings and councils and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that kind of stayed with me, especially that tension and stress in the household, how my dad felt, the stress that was around everyone. And and I think that was probably the biggest thing, as well as, of course, like the threat and the fear of losing your home and being made homeless and, you know, bailiffs knocking on the door. Should I open the door? Shouldn't I? Who's at the door? You know, those kind of feelings. So um, those kind of things, I think, stayed with me personally as well. But my dad did get help. Yes. And I think he said, like, when I asked him, I think sort of fast forward, you know, five years, my dad is paying off his mortgage. He's paid yeah. off his mortgage. Yeah. Him yeah. and my mum are going on holiday probably about twice a year at nice. a minimum. And he's managing his money well. He yeah. knows where his money's going and he's paying for stuff and he's not relying on credit. Great. So... I asked him sort of at that time when he kind of got through the dark stage, what were the things that kind of motivated you? Uh-huh. And he said the first thing was actually getting the support and the family from friends, admitting that he mm-hmm. had a problem and yeah. talking to us and getting that support from family and friends. Yeah. So from yeah. his immediate family, you know, giving him that moral support, but also, you know, there were other friends and family who'd been through debt problems themselves mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And he said the stories that they shared and, and helping him to realise there is light at the end of the tunnel, there is a way out of it. Yeah. He yeah. said that motivated him. And yeah. the other thing was just an expert debt charity as well that gave him support. Yeah. And so yeah. those two things, that kind of expert support, but also the community peer support and those other leaders, that kind of combination of support, not just from people who know about money, but people who who you know intimately, who look like you, who've experienced the same problems as you, he said was a really powerful thing. And that stayed with me. And I think that's one of the things, yeah, same. And I think that's one of the things that is a massive driver of yeah. all the programs and how we work at Money A&E. Yeah. So all of our programs, we aim to get people who have been through issues themselves yeah. to to develop the confidence yeah. to support others. They're obviously supported themselves, but yeah. once they've got to that stage of actually dealing with their money problem, mm. they often have a newfound confidence and ability and sharing that story and supporting others is a big thing. So. Yeah. Well, it's so it's so important because it brings down the shame, the stigma. It shows that you bounce back. It, like you said, finding that light at the end of the tunnel, but also just knowing that you're not alone with it. I know when I used to do workshops, 
I used to experience as the trainer, I used to have to spend a lot of time breaking down barriers mm, yeah. because I don't look like a lot of the people mm. that I was there to to support. And they were rightfully suspicious. There's there's good reasons for somebody to be suspicious of somebody who looks and sounds like me. I could easily be somebody who's very patronising. I could easily come across as somebody who doesn't understand your situation. And maybe I never will understand a lot of people's situations because I'm, in, in a way, I hope not to live through <laughs> a lot of the things that a lot of people have lived through. So I understand that. And, and I would have to create a lot of space at the beginning of every workshop, every session to let everybody else talk yeah. and just stand back and listen in order to demonstrate that I wasn't the person that they might suspect I was. And that's inefficient. I mean, for, apart from anything else, you cut through the need for that. Yeah. When all your when all your trainers and all your peer supporters are obviously there to listen, obviously have that lived experience you you don't have to spend that time building the relationships. I mean, inefficient is kind of a cold way to describe it, but, you know, it, it does. It takes up this time that's, that you don't necessarily want to take mm. at, at the beginning of a session. And it always was the most important, powerful thing in every session was the bit where all of the learners, all the participants in, in workshops would come forward and talk about their own experiences, share their own experiences, and you could see that particularly when one of them shared a particularly useful tip or bit of information that they'd learned, you could see the others, the light bulbs going on like, oh, I can genuinely use that because I know it works because somebody in the same position as me has said it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was always, you know, the best stuff. Yeah, there are things I can teach. I, I have facts at my fingertips that somebody else in the room might not have. But it's always the sharing experience and breaking down that stigma by sharing experience that's the most important, powerful thing. Yeah, most definitely. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So tell us a bit more about any sort of themes or issues that you see in the, in the communities that you work with. Is there particular stuff that, that kind of comes up in the money issues that people are facing? I think one of them is about the there are providers out there who are giving support to people with mm. debt issues and financial capability support or yeah. training. But stats show that probably only one third of the people who are actually experiencing debt, you know, debt yeah. in the country is increasing. You've got nearly nine million people or potentially mm. more. Those are the last kind of stats out there from the Money Advice Service that nearly nine million people are experiencing debt issues. Yeah. Yet only one third of those people are actually getting the support that they need and yeah. have the ability yeah. to go to, or confidence, I suppose, to go to existing providers. Yeah. So I would say, you know, for us, one of the big issues is that lack of trust and maybe it's a cultural thing as well. Why are those two-thirds of people not accessing the support they need? Yeah, and I think yeah. a lot of what we try to do is really connect with those vulnerable groups and those groups yeah. who aren't comfortable going to the existing providers and trying yeah. to connect with them. So that's a big issue. Massive uh-huh. debt, but people not getting those that support they need. Yeah. And by not doing that, there are loads of different problems for society as a result yeah, yeah, of yeah. them just suffering in silence. Yeah. So that's one of the big issues yeah. that I see. And I think by breaking down people that we speak to often when we're connecting with them will say they don't go to certain providers simply because there's that lack of trust. Right. They may feel that that provider is part of the establishment right. or their information will get out and, you know, yeah, people yeah. will come for them or, you know, yeah. it's those kind of things that go on and you hear that coming out a lot and I think a lot of that is because the people that are supporting them don't potentially look like them or don't you know have the same experiences or don't connect with them in a way that they feel confident so that's one of the major issues that kind of two thirds of Mm -hmm. vulnerable people not accessing help and the other thing is massively rising levels of child poverty in London especially so you know more than you know well, so it's about a third of children in London are growing up in houses that are technically classed as living yeah. in poverty. Yeah. And really for us, I think in some of our programmes, like our off-call programmes, we want to try and connect with that younger generation yeah. and try to help break potential cycles yeah. there in terms of those habits and yeah. you know open up knowledge mm-hmm. skills yeah. networks for some of those young people so that yeah, those yeah, similar yeah. patterns of behavior that they're seeing yeah. around them living in poverty are not being continued and we're helping to to help them break free giving them skills and knowledge and confidence really to, to overcome a lot of those issues i mean i think some of the stuff that you do with children and young people is amazing I've, i was looking online at some of the videos and some of the pictures and stuff and you've got they're so positive. The workshop, you know, we're talking here about some quite dark stuff, but you do these really positive, upbeat sessions with music and art and poetry and all kinds of stuff. And they just look like so much fun. Um, yep. So tell us, about, <laughs> tell us about that side. Like how, how are you trying to make this really like fun and engaging for the young people? I think a large part of it is trying to listen to them. We don't 
It's not about imposing on them and we know best, this is what you must do. <laughs> it, it's yeah. really about letting these young people kind of, it's about freeing their own creativity. Because mm. what we do is we go in and we kind of train the young people to be leaders and we train them to support sort of whole year groups of their peers, basically. Fantastic. And they will then go in and we will facilitate them and support them to actually mm-hmm. mentor those peers in yep. the year group, basically. Yep. And then after that, they get an accreditation and Fantastic. they feel very enthusiastic. They've got new yeah. skills. Yeah. And we're also trying to connect a lot with different employers, professional groups as uh-huh. well, so that we can open up networks for some of these young people. Fantastic. A lot of them are coming from backgrounds where they won't have connections with people who have yeah. professionally skilled jobs and they yeah. may n- not feel that those jobs are for them. So by connecting them with people who they can network with, again, it helps them to feel like they've got someone who they can get some information from. Mm-hmm. It begins to open up their horizons and they Great. start to think differently about not only money, but also about their life and their futures and what they can achieve for themselves as well. Fantastic. And then I guess those young people are also being role models within their peer group as well. Yeah. I think that's that's so much of what you're doing is creating role models within communities. Yeah. And I guess being role models yourselves. <laughs> To some extent. <laughs> scary. But, yeah, 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 scary. You're looking at me, no. That's what, that's what we're aiming to do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's, it is important, like, what you're saying here, you, you know, you've been through something and you've stepped up and now you're bringing others up with you. And and that's um, just a really, really positive thing. And Money Gaining has achieved a lot, frankly, through all of this. What are you the most proud of? Wow. <laughs> That's a tough question. It's really yeah. hard. It's really <laughs> hard. It's weird. But I I think for me personally, what mm. Jerry, what what drives me I think it's hearing from other people mm. how what we've done has supported them. Yeah. And I think that for me is one of the drivers. I never used to do that that much, but now because we focus a lot on evaluating and making sure that our services are meeting the needs of people, we're often always talking to our service users and saying, how did we help you? Was that good? Um, what's what's a better way of doing this? And and they tell us all of these things, how we can improve, but they also tell us how we've helped them. And that, for me, is the massive motivator because people actually come and tell you stories and you're like wow we did that I had no idea you know but you start to hear how you're supporting people so for for me that's the biggest achievement and and being able to then take people on a journey who want to become part of the team recruit more people who can go out and help more of those people out there who are who are suffering in silence So, so for me I think it's the personal impact and being able to recruit people with that kind of a lived experience who want to go out and do the same so those are the big motivators and the biggest kind of achievement I think that I'm beginning to see to yeah. see more yeah so I've mean, had a few more seconds to think about it um, <laughs> so I think for me it's it's definitely seeing people come out of the darkness so yeah. you know when you meet people in these situations and they are in a dark place and can't see where they're going can't see any light it's yeah it's seeing that transformation see them go through that journey and that process yeah. where the next time you you see them or talk to them whether it's you know a month or a year later 
just mentally and they're in a completely different place and a more positive place. You can see it in their body language, can't yeah. you? Yeah. You yeah. can see it in, in everything, you know, even like their clothes look better, the yeah. hair looks better, yeah. <laughs> they're standing yeah. up straighter. Yeah. They just the smile, the smiles. eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, thing. I think you're seeing that and knowing that, okay, yeah. yeah, it made a difference. No, it is amazing. And you don't, it's not always the ones you expect even, is it? No. Like, sometimes no. it's somebody who was just really quiet in the back of the room for a while <laughs> and you think... They didn't enjoy that. And then they come back and talk to you six months later and they're like, you've changed my life. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, yeah. as Jerry was saying, sometimes you're completely unaware of the, the impact that it's having. But mm. it's fantastic when you find out that, OK, yeah, it's definitely yeah. made a difference. OK, so if any of our UK listeners want to work with Money A&E, how can they get in touch? So, yeah, we'd love to work with uh, partner institutions uh-huh. and uh, private sector, yeah. public sector. Yeah. Everybody out there. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can give us a call on 0208 616 3750 or get in touch with us via our website, which is www.moneyane.co.uk. I'd just add to that that because we're a social enterprise, our education and advice services are free to people who obviously have debt issues. Yeah. So we work with partner agencies. So we might work with a youth group. We yeah. might work with a housing association. We might yeah. work with a school or a college. Yeah. We might work with a central government department or agency. We yeah. might work with a local authority. Yeah. We might work with a charity that works with homeless people. Yeah. We might work with a drug. I can give you a massive (laughs) list. So all of you contact us because I think we can have a really good, we can do some really good work together for those vulnerable people that you're trying to support. We're really trying to support not only BAME, black and Asian minority ethnic people, but we also work with migrant groups from um, refugee groups, homeless charities, ex-offenders, young people as well. So if you're working with agencies that are dealing with these sorts of marginalized groups yeah do get in touch like greg said he gave the number and the website check out our work get in touch and we can we we can do some really good work i think to support your users and customers and for our general listeners what's one tip they can take away to to manage their money better what's your one piece of advice we do generally have like a four-step process that yeah we believe people should go through and step number one is to maximize your income yeah step number two is to look at your expenditure yeah and find ways of reducing your expenditure yeah then um identify your money goal what is Uh it you want to achieve with your money yep very important and then the fourth step and the fourth step is about basically once you have increased your income and reduced your expenditure, you're going to have some disposable income there. Yeah. Use that and put it towards achieving and realising that money goal that you have for yourself. Fantastic. Excellent. It's been a real joy talking to you both this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marvel. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. 
And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.